0: It makes you cognizant about how your body functions through the mind's eye. Hmm. So we have, you know, life has its way and it bombards us with information. Our senses take in this information and then we respond to it, whether we realize it or not. It's much like how when we take in food. So we consume food and metabolizes and then we eliminate. Well, every single solitary thing we do in life has that framework. We take this information in through our eyes, our ears, our skin, whatever. We process that information. It has an effect on us. And then we have a response. For most human beings, we are very, very unaware of the effect and our response until it's already over. And then we're like, oh, crap, (laughs) I probably shouldn't have said that. Or why is that bothering me so much? What yoga does, and if you have a regular practice, it kind of forces you to look, oh, this is really affecting me in this way and I need to pay attention to that. Uh, I have to take responsibility for this reaction. Yeah. That's, that's the part, the responsibility that you end up taking for yourself.
1: A tenenbaum? Yes. You work as a yoga instructor. Yes. And you also teach uh, a form of yoga therapy. Is that correct?
0: I teach yoga therapy. Yes. I'm an educator of yoga therapists and yoga teachers. And um, and I also do have my private work as a yoga therapist okay. and a yoga teacher. Do
1: you have so you have your own practice um, and your own school.
0: Not school, no brick and mortar, not any longer. The um, COVID pushed a situation, you know, there's the light and shadow side to so many different things. And the light side to the COVID for my world um, was that I had been wanting to go online with some of my yoga teacher and teaching and yoga therapy that to work with one-on-one because this avenue of, of online was available. And I thought, okay, let's get that going. But uh, we were a brick and mortar and I was just used to the situation and I was comfortable in the situation, didn't think about it. But then of course COVID hit and then somebody there's this zoom thing. I wasn't even aware of that. And uh, before we knew it, we were doing education online and I had a whole business beginning, finally doing that online yoga therapy training and teacher and um, counseling that I've been wanting to do.
1: Okay. And um, so how long have you been doing the, how long have you been practicing yoga in general? What got you started and, and what was going on back then?
0: Uh, back then, indeed. So, <laughs> um, to, 2000, okay. 2000, in the year 2000, okay. uh, it all began. I started teaching in 2003. And uh, what got me there was just sheer kind of lost, not quite sure what was going on. I needed to connect with my body. I was disconnected. Um, So many of us have this disconnect in all different parts of ourselves. And uh, I had no understanding of what even any of that meant. And I remember a friend came to me and she said, I'm going to this yoga class. Do you want to join me? And I thought, huh, why not? And uh, I showed up on a Sunday morning chewing gum, wearing sneakers, not knowing what was going on. And uh, finally, the teacher just said, no, no, no gum, no sneakers. And right there, I enjoyed that, the the no shoes part of it. Mm. And um, within about 10 minutes of the yoga practice, I was sweating profusely, completely shocked. My whole entire nervous system didn't know what was going on the way the teacher was speaking mm. the way that I felt after the class, the way that I was thinking and remembering the moves and the language of the teacher. And I was just like, what the hell is going on What mm. is this interesting? And it just, it was stuck. It was like having daydreams about it. Like yeah. not even realizing that I was thinking about these different moves my body was making. And then little by little, I kept going more and more. And, and then eventually I understood yeah. and I wanted to know even more. So, so that's when I wanted to go into teacher training.
1: Excellent. Yeah. And that's so you didn't really know what to expect when you uh, went for the first class. Just that it was. uh... Had I
0: known that, if I was feeling what I felt in my first down dog, and if somebody would have warned me and said, this is what it's going to feel like, I probably wouldn't have gone. (laughs) I was better off not knowing.
1: Yeah. And what do you remember what type it was?
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was power heated power yoga. yoga. It was, I walked into the bowels of hell and had no idea, (laughs) essentially.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of sweating. Oh my god! <laughs> Lots of first down
0: dog. I remember just being in my first down dog, and it's just dripping yeah. on my forehead. And actually, I, I years later, uh, when I was in a, I was working for a studio that used to write a local magazine, and I was writing articles for the local magazine. My very first article was based on that downward facing dog from my very first class. Excellent. The experience of that. Yeah.
1: Wow, how about that? Yeah, it probably taught you quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, yeah. now could you um, could you elaborate on the uh, the methods of yoga, what yoga is, where it comes from, and uh, the benefits?
0: Oh wow! Uh, sure, there's. Well, what yoga is, that's a big statement. Um, I'll do it like it's teacher training 101 kind <laughs> of stuff. You know, when you know something's so big, it's hard to
1: yeah. narrow it Zoom. down.
0: Um, yeah, exactly. To to take that, to refine that that term. Uh, literally, yoga means union. If you were to look up the, the text definition of the word yoga means to yoke or unite. And I realized over the years, it's the bringing together back to what I said earlier about we're severed in different parts. It brings together, it bridges that gap in so many parts of our, our, the systems of our body. So yoga helps to unite mind and body, sun and moon. We can get really flowery about it and we can get really hippy-dippy with it. But really what it comes down to is uniting that big crevasse that most of us has between the language and the conversation our mind has with our body And our body has with our mind. And that's probably the number one benefit of yoga is that unity when you're ready for it. That's the part that most people don't realize you can't you don't want to be a um, overly stressed person, uh, maybe a lot of haven't been doing very much with your body for many years, really sedentary. um, And then all of a sudden face yourself on a yoga mat. It's actually quite shocking. Yeah. As in my first downward facing dog that I, I couldn't believe what that felt like to be in these very, very odd positions. This is not normal to, for us to bend Mm -hmm. like this and to twist and to, you know, that's not how we normally live. So we usually stand up, sit down or lie down um, these multidimensional ways of movement brought so much mobility to the body as well as to the mind body connection. And that's probably the easiest way and the most succinct way I could say what the benefits of yoga are. Mm-hmm. It makes you, it makes you acknowledge what's going on inside. Yeah. And that's also the hard part.
1: I really liked how you said, uh, it unites the different parts of the body yeah. as a yoke, you know, as a joiner. Yeah. It makes you more uh, cognizant of your body as a whole and how it functions together as a whole?
0: It makes you cognizant about how your body functions through the mind's eye. Hmm. So we have, you know, life has its way and it bombards us with information. Our senses take in this information And then we respond to it, whether we realize it or not. It's much like how when we take in food, so we consume food, and metabolizes, and then we eliminate. Well, every single solitary thing we do in life has that framework. We take this information in through our eyes, our ears, our skin, whatever. We process that information. It has an effect on us. And then we have a response. Right. For most human beings, we are very, very unaware of the effect and our response until it's already over. And then we're like, oh, crap, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Or why is that bothering me so much? What yoga does, and if you have a regular practice, it kind of forces you to look, oh, this is really affecting me in this way. And I need to pay attention to that. Uh, I have to take responsibility for this reaction. Yeah, that's that's the part, the responsibility that you end up taking for yourself. Mm hmm. It's no longer about anybody
1: else right it really brings the focus back to who you are what your abilities are and what you can do it's with it yeah
0: acknowledgement of, of those things yes right, right. that's Most the conclusion
1: what point are you yes. at right Yeah. now in your practice you began to you learned from somebody specifically how to do yoga uh, but then there's another step, which is to learn how to instruct. Is that kind of the process? It goes from st- like student um,
0: to, that's uh, a good question. to becoming a teacher. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge education involved in becoming a teacher, but it depends on the type of yoga teacher you want to be.
1: Mm.
0: So you can be what's called an asana teacher or a pose instructor, someone that's really into what's what poses are specifically good for what Mm. there's not a lot of philosophy involved in that it's more functional and there's definitely benefits in it. Then there is the type of yoga that you want to learn philosophy and history. And then the mental side of why choose those poses or Are those poses really the right ones? Mm. I tend to go along that school of thought. Um, I like the idea of bringing in philosophy, psychology. I've studied all of that for many, many years. The yoga philosophy, yoga psychology. And the realizing that there's not one prescriptive way. Like, let's say you come to me as a yoga therapy client and you have a bad back. Sure. There are certain poses that specifically will help your back that a regular 200-hour trained yoga teacher could help you with. But somebody that's been trained on a level that I've been trained at, I would ask you all kinds of detailed questions. Uh, have you ever had this before? What could have caused this? And let's explore poses that may or may not work for you because it's it's you can't pigeonhole your yoga practice when it comes to one-on-one. And when I realized that's the kind of yoga teacher I wanted to be, then I went to that school of thought yeah. and I, I went to a teacher that taught me philosophy and then the breakdown, of how, how to work stages of a yoga practice.
1: Hmm. Well, it sounds like a it's very theme and
0: intention. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Very progressive right. in the yoga world. Yeah.
1: Now are there levels to that? Um, much as like in martial arts, there's you know different belts that you accomplish. <laughs> yeah, I guess
0: you could look at the hours as such. So there's oh, okay. the 200 hour yoga teacher training. That's baseline training. Yeah, you get 200 hours in under your belt. No pun intended. <laughs> and you and you um you can go be a yoga teacher, and you know a studio will be happy to hire you. And you probably have a good framework of this one way of teaching this class, and you know these certain poses, a certain sequence, and you just keep repeating that over and over again. Right. It's a great place to begin. But then there's a 500 hour program, then 800hour programs, hmm. thousand hour programs, and so forth. So yeah, there are definitely levels.
1: Okay. <clears throat> and is that orchestrated through a specific um, institute or um, yes, community or society?
0: Yeah. So the big umbrella company is the IAYT, the International Association of Yoga Therapists. And then they're the studio that I work for currently and that I've been with for many, many years and who I got all of my levels of training under for Yoga Life Institute with Bob Butera and Kristen Butera and myself. I'm a lead teacher with them as the as the yoga teaching team. And they the um, Yoga Life Institute, yoga therapy and teacher training programs are uh, are realized under the IAYT, also the um, registered yoga therapy, Yoga teacher training mm. um, program as well. And they will, there's all different levels that you could do your 200 hours, your 500 hours, your 800 hours with uh, yoga life. Okay. It's, and they're very philosophy and psychology oriented. So you get the whole rounded yeah. spectrum of yoga.
1: Well, I see the benefit there because, you know, we're, you know, we're a very uh, complex, but also very simple uh, species. And you know, when we hear something, it needs to make sense on a lot of different levels. I think to really sink in. This is my generalization, at least for me. I want to hear the information a couple different ways, so that I really yeah. grasp the concept, the energy behind it, the idea, um, the philosophy, and also the mechanics. You know. To really get into whatever it might be. And with yoga, I would assume I'd want that same kind of backing of, uh, kind of like that physical understanding.
0: Uh, you actually describe very well the way that I learn. So I am dyslexic mm. naturally. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm an absorber. So as you just mentioned, this repetition that you're speaking of, I want to hear it in different ways. That's exactly how I learn. That's what I do love about yoga training. It's a full body. It's an embodiment of education. It's not just intellect. We're talking all systems are on board. You know, everything gets involved because your body gets involved in the education, in the philosophy, in the psychology. It's not just theory. It's let's get include the physical systems and I couldn't tell you, I can't tell you enough how powerful it is, that repetition factor. And I turned what used to be kind of like a little bit of an embarrassment, something I would never normally want to admit to people that I'm dyslexic, but now I'm proud of it. Because the dyslexic Mm -hmm. ones are usually this really smart ones out there because they have done so much work. I know the work that I've done to absorb the information, to make sure that I have it. And then it's mine. And to what you were saying, making something simple, Einstein said, you have to know something well enough to make it simple. If you want to, you have to know it really, really well. So that's exactly what I've done. And every time I have a training session, every time I teach a yoga therapy weekend, and they all have different themed weekends, like we have the neurological weekends and we have our heart weekends and, you know, our skeletal system weekends and so forth. And um, I'm constantly studying still even everything that I already have in my in my whole nervous system it still forces me to go out there and continue to study and follow very intelligent people and absorb the information
1: yeah that's great so I,
0: I agree with you completely
1: awesome yeah that's amazing well i, I see the, the skeletons in the background uh the skeleton in the skull
0: yeah um that's paul this is <laughs> actually Sorry,
1: I'm, I'm yeah, backwards. Weird, this is Paul two <laughs> because
0: okay. Paul one has been destroyed by me using him, and <laughs> limbs started to fall off. And showing the students how we can function with the hips and right. And then that's Paulette, and she's the one that helps me with um, our neurological weekends when we talk about the brain mm-hmm. and the nerves.
1: Yeah, it's very important information to know, especially if you're going to be doing uh, body work, and uh, even more so if you're training trainers. That they yes. know kind of uh, a basics of how the mechanics of the body work. They know what what's happening with a student if the student comes in with a uh, you know a bad hip, something like that. How they might be able to adjust their practice to fit along with that hip. Is that kind of the idea?
0: That's the whole point of why we don't do prescriptive work mm-hmm. because we're not doctors, we're not physical therapists, but. We have such a wide range of understanding of the functionality of the body. Yoga therapists who graduate from the program have this huge um, range of education and knowledge now and resources, because we're not asking anybody to remember all of this stuff. It's not the way that works, but you have all these resources now. You have uh, each other, the cohorts in the class together who have all different range of ranges of capabilities and skills and different medical, and s- we have psychologists, psychiatrists, we have nurses and doctors and all joining these programs because yoga is becoming more and more the holistic approach to life. Yeah. The Yeah. <clears throat> you know, Western medicine, I want them when there's a bite, when I break something, when there's a heart attack, when there's something extreme going on, I want the Western doctors on top of it. Mm-hmm. Eastern philosophy, however, what they do best is that care. It's the personal care. It's before, let's, let's take care of ourselves. Let's know what causes the stresses. So you don't have that heart attack. So you don't need to go rush to the doctor and need to get the surgery. How do we take care of this? And then post care then, okay, well, now we have to work on your stress levels because this is not good for your heart. So now how do we do that? So, and we know how to cater to the individual. That's the real key to the education of a yoga teacher, a well-educated yoga teacher and yoga therapist is everybody's different and everybody's body's different every single day so let's take care of what's going on today and let's be aware of it and make that awareness known and bridge those gaps once again
1: right kind of understand what their range of motion might be yeah and just uh, but of course a strong strong backing of anatomy that goes a long way for understanding how things move how muscles work yes. you know how muscles contr- yes. you know contract constrict or contract and how they stretch you know the tendon uh do you, do you have to learn all of that is it like anatomy 101 uh tendons yeah, where they learn... connect, the connecting origination and insertion points all that
0: oh good question yeah. not not anything quite that uh intricate that's very uh personal trainer type stuff i personally know that stuff because of my background but the students aren't expected to know that yeah um it's the functionality part of it. That's the global functionality as part of the education is the, well, let's learn, let's teach the client and the student to quiet the mind enough that they can listen to mm. what's actually really best. Mm-hmm. And because most things cause a stress, it's, it's a natural, you know, we live in, um, most human beings live in, I like to call the the time machine brain. We live forward. <laughs> yeah. We live tomorrow. We live yesterday. Right, right. So this idea of living in the present moment and when, and what comes with that psychologically is the tomorrow is very anxious based. The yesterday is kind of depressed based. Yeah. So you're always in a state of sorry and worry, right. you know, tomorrow is the worry and yesterday is the sorry. So, <laughs> um, the, we usually live, Perpetually vacillating between these two extremes. And what's really going on and the effects it's having on us is lost because you can't sense and feel your senses in the extreme, it doesn't exist what the yoga therapy program does is it helps you find all different possible ways to slow this down. Mm -hmm. How do you slow the nervous system down? How do you slow the mind? How do you slow your movement? How do you slow your understanding of everything? Your assumptions, my God, the assumptions, you know, I don't have to go over the old saying about, assumptions so, so yeah. the makes <laughs> an ass out of you yeah, and me you know yeah. and, and the, the asshole part excuse my language but right. but it's true you know everybody has one and they all stink so yeah, yeah. these assumptions <laughs> that the people have um my apologies for my language no, so good. um the <laughs> that's my Philadelphia in me Yeah, yeah. It, it's hard <laughs> it's to all get good. rid of that um, but that that perspective is where we tend to get lost in and then that perspective of these assumptions that we're making and we're living in these extremes become, and this is where it becomes scary. It becomes a belief system. Mm-hmm. And that's when it becomes a belief system, I mean, that's hard to get rid of. Then that yeah. is that creates a big effect in our body right. when our belief system is not really clear. And these reactionary moments are then turned into identities of who we are rather than moments that
1: we're having yeah um for those that are a little bit more amenable or changeable to their environment to those around them a lot of that there's not a lot of uh concrete lines drawn and Mm. uh, that can be very helpful and that that method or approach to life and living kind of being more fluid um allows for a little bit more of change to intersect and um, and for the person to say, oh, okay, I have new information. That belief that I had, that bad, uh, that thing that I thought I had created a house on, you know, I realized it's not, it's not solid. It's not there. Uh, and the ability to change, then of course, is also the ability to dispel that uh, that hold that that can have on us, the bad belief, that bad uh, or un. un- that uh, construct that we maybe put a lot of faith or trust in. Um, That's the thing. I think if we get really fixed and rigid, and this probably goes right into the idea with yoga to become more pliable, uh, if we get really fixed and rigid in our thoughts and in our ideas and concepts and we're locked in, we're forgetting about all these other possibilities. And um, and then that can kind of get us stuck and maybe – give us some really bad experiences because of our rigidity or an ability to be more mutable.
0: Uh, well said. And it's very true. My anatomy professor always says, always, always, and I, and he's always in my mind And this phrase, what you're just saying is, is the phrase movement is medicine. Mm, yeah. And you were just mentioning being stuck and being rigid. Those two are huge words that most people do live in this, mm. I, I just don't know anywhere, anyhow. How, how else can I feel? Yeah. I have to feel this way. How could I feel anything else? When there's a host of possibilities that would be a lot better. Yeah. Or how could I only react this way? I have to react this way. There's no other way to react. But yes, there is. Right. And you when you're not stuck in that rigidity and you realize the movement, and it's the movement of the body, it's the movement of the breathing, because that's the first thing we talk about. Yoga we'll talk about yoga 101 is when, as soon as I have somebody sitting with me, per, uh, privately, the first thing we do is go over breathing mm-hmm. because the breathing is the huge builder of that bridge to bridge the gap, that crevasse that our mind body lives lost between one another or lost from one another, that the, the breathing is a huge portion of that stress control stress reliever, um, Calming the body, calming the brain, calming the entire, all the tissues of the body. It helps to settle all the peripheral nervous system, the central nervous system and so forth. The breath is a huge, huge tool. And you've got to learn these things and utilize them over and over again. So even just breathing and learning how to do that moves the mind. So then you have movement again. So not only just movement in yoga poses and doing different directions of the spinal Mm -hmm. movement or whatnot, but you add breath to that and it turns this into a Really, it's a magical tool, the yoga practice, as opposed to just calisthen- cal, um, calisthenics that goes right. on. With otherwise, if you don't unite the breath in this process, mm-hmm. and that movement is medicine. Part is everything.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, flexibility. Yeah. Oh no, it is longevity. Is a flexible spine. I believe is the oh, saying, something like that.
0: True.
1: Yeah. Um, and.
0: And good grip.
1: And good and grip. grip is
0: longevity too. Uh, yeah, keep that in mind uh-huh. just for those that are listening. Keep that in mind. You want to have your hands and forearms be very, very strong. It's actually very linked to longevity.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so in what way does meditation play a role in yoga? Now I know I've been to a, quite a few yoga studios and many of them will end with meditation. Um, as part of the sequence that there's a stillness afterward uh what as far as teaching that uh what is the direct benefit to the meditation whether it's a full act of you know full-on meditative practice or just a supplemental that comes into play during the after the poses or what way would you say is uh the purpose of implementing meditation into the practice.
0: So, yoga and meditation were created for one major purpose, and we're talking thousands of years ago that this was realized to quiet the mind, slow it down. Back to even the earlier part of our conversation, that <clears throat> our mind, our our minds are moving at such extreme, and they're bomb- they're bombarded constantly, and now social media as being what they do. Boy, does it take an imp- boy an impact that our nervous system takes this micro traumas that are happening with the scrolling and the scrolling oh, yeah. and scrolling. And we don't realize it. And this is like a thing now that they're starting to do research on these micro traumas that are happening in the, in the brain and in the nervous system. And so it's more important now than ever for some form of meditation, some form of meditation, meaning that there's not just one way to meditate. Whatever it is that you can do, and the the gentleman that I work with and work for, Bob Butera, he even wrote a book all about it, meditating for your life, and so forth. Because there's this, <clears throat> you, some people might get benefit from meditating, walking in the forest. Some people might get benefit from meditating, doing their yoga practice. Our modern world is so loud and so noisy that we sometimes actually have to get the body moving before we, we can ask the mind to settle down. If we try to sit, if we go, you know, have our coffee, eat our sugar, have a stress day, bombard our nervous system through social media, so on and so forth. And then we're just going to, Sit quietly, it's never going to happen. So, you have to really, there's a lot of care that goes into having a proper meditation practice. So, it's not even just the meditation practice itself, it's everything that you have to do to be able to have one. So, it's actually one of the hardest things for most people. Most of my students come to me over the years, the biggest struggles I've heard about them. Have been, I, I can't meditate, or I don't have a meditation practice. And I feel like a fraud as a yoga teacher mm. that I don't have a meditation practice. Right. And I, this conversation as you and I are having comes up, and I take it out an opportunity to remind them that meditation comes in many forms. The purpose of meditation to your question is to just bring that quietness, to take us from those extremes of the yesterday and tomorrow, and the extremes of our nervous system that it goes through with that to just bring yourself into a quiet space over and over and over again. And it needs repetition. That's where the, the repeating and, and that dyslexic brain of mine worked in my favor. Keep coming back to it. I had no, it wasn't laborious for me. Oh, I've my mind is going again. I got to come back to it. Keep coming back, keep coming back. And you just create these different practices and tools to help your whole system settle, to be quiet. And so that your mind can stay in the present moment. And that's leads us into meditation, but it's a host of self care to be able to do it. So it's a whole lifestyle shift that happens. You can go live the life that you want, but if meditation and yoga is really important to you, you'll see things just fall away naturally. That doesn't serve the purpose.
1: Yeah, yeah, it kind of uh, realigns to yeah. what's uh, most beneficial, and I think it does it in a subtle way that you don't really realize is happening, but find yourself avoiding situations that would cause more disharmony uh, just as a natural course trying to maintain that meditative state not necessarily actively you know in waking state but uh, you know within within the space of time if you have a meditative practice at least for myself, it's helped me to eliminate things that would be considered uh, overly distractive and potentially caustic. Or harmful um, that was one benefit for me that that came about in uh, doing more meditation Good. now
0: how did you come to your meditation if I may well
1: ask? Uh, through dreaming uh, yeah. through a dream practice I was trying to build uh, my dream practice up and um, I was doing worse trying to do more lucid dreams and my mom told me that she, what she did in the morning, she would wake up really early and then she would just meditate in the morning. I don't know exactly what she was doing as far as her meditation went, or what her, you know, what her designs were, but that's when she did it. And I thought, well, that's a great time to do it. Be before I have to wake up or before I wake up. Uh, because it's that space of time that's still mine and it's very quiet. And so I utilized meditation to uh, develop a little bit more of the lucid dreaming, so that when I'd wake up, I'd I'd actually just work a switch, so that I would wake up before my alarm would wake up or wake me up, but have a little bit of time prior to actually having to get up to meditate through uh, the processes of whatever was going on in my head at the moment, just kind of sort. And let things, you know, come and go as they will. And, uh, and I'm not, uh, my schedule's absolutely bonkers right now with sleep. So, uh, I'm not able to do it nearly as much as I'd like to, but, um, but it's always there. I'll always get up about 15 to even five minutes before my alarm. Either one of those is just great for allowing me some still time to, uh, let let the things happen as they are, and not as I want them to be. I found that allowing that lucid state, allowing an interplay, uh, created a more of a um, holodeck kind of um, a holodeck appearance in the meditation. So that I could be a little bit more active in the lucid state, but also get benefits of being in a meditative uh, alpha wave type of state or just just uh, just below you know in the high theta and um, yeah definitely some some benefit there I, I also like to walk in the woods for meditation yeah. for me that I get a lot off of trees so <laughs> if I can get around trees I'm pretty happy um,
0: well they they purify your energy certainly that the whole concept I'm sure you heard of the earthing, yeah concept um to get your skin next to as much nature as you possibly can mm-hmm. so those that live on the coastlines and they're in water uh, you know and they're surfing out there in the waters it's beautiful they get a chance to be there all the time it's not as easy though when um it's we have winters here in pennsylvania you're not going to be going outside barefoot right. you're not going to be going right. you know that Thank kind you. of thing so um yeah that's wonderful i bet it does help a lot
1: yeah well i i had studied, um, a- one book, and boy, I think it was uh, it was on uh, meditation for the for the abdomen, and um, it was by Mantak Chia. And in it, he talked a lot about uh, like a Thai approach to energy work, and one of them is sitting with trees, of uh, various sizes, and and like you were saying, to uh, to breathe with the tree, and to kind of um, sense or become enveloped by the tree and you know what you're breathing out they're breathing in what you're breathing in they're breathing out that kind of thing that that relationship that's natural between uh, the trees and uh, people just to sit with the tree it's just a, it's a magical thing
0: it is um i was fortunate enough to go to costa rica three mm. times and uh the last two times i went I was visiting, I visited this really beautiful rainforest mountain and just there was waterfalls everywhere and trees of all kinds. And I just, even just looking at the green, all the many different greens, mm. the muddy ground, the yeah. the weeping walls of water. Um, trees speak to one another, just like human beings do. So yeah. the fact that you gather that up naturally is is amazing and wonderful. And I'm glad that you do it because they've done even studies that the roots mm. of the trees are speaking to one another underground, and that's how they know how to help one another grow. And it's all part of that language, that un- the, um, non-human language, mm-hmm. sensory language. I, I will remind my students sometimes that the body speaks... In the language of sensation, not in words. Right. So it's that learning how to listen to that sensation. It sounds like that's what you're doing yeah. with the trees—is that you're you're kind of ebbing and flowing with their breathing and with yours. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I feel like they're really easy to get in touch with trees, but that might be just my predilection for trees. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure. I I know when I was uh, really young, uh, young when I was a teenager. I read uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, and he had Ents, mm-hmm. uh, the, the tree people, and this is before I had any kind of uh, awareness, uh, you know, extending into this, uh, you know, the tree lore. But in there, it was the trees were alive, some of them, and they took care of the other trees, and they they had a language. They were very slow and gradual, and uh, and and now you know, now that we're in this modern era, we have all this great information available to us. We find out it's not too far off <laughs> you know, not too far not off.
0: All, not at all if anything yeah. we still don't know enough oh yeah I, I think the trees have so much more to say that we have yet to learn we may not be listening so <laughs> yeah i think i think yeah. you might be right <laughs> yeah. that's the new unity we have to unite that that language understanding and, and yeah. listen a little bit harder
1: yeah but well we we need to probably begin with the you know other mammals first because that's probably the easiest way for us to communicate uh, you know get close to other animals people have a very interesting close relationship or a lot of people with with their pets and that's probably exactly. the first approach that people can get to a species outside of their own that they can communicate with um and then that can extend to a horse that can extend to other species of of animals um plants can maybe be a far jump for people, but, uh, it is, uh, to me, the trees are extremely approachable and, um, seem to like, you know, the company. So that's nice too.
0: <laughs> they do. And, um, I, I appreciate your approach on that. And there's been a, um, there's a lot more studies going on right now when it comes to our human emotions by listening to animals, emotions and paying hmm. attention to how they respond to life, uh, as we do, you know, this, that information that they get bombarded with as well. Um, So I I agree with you. There's definitely something there as far as paying attention to our little fur babies more than the fact that they're incredibly cute.
1: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Now, um, I've heard a lot in regards to meditation specifically, and I would imagine yoga plays a part in that too, because it's a form of, to me, it's a form of like body meditation in a sense to kind of drone out the body's senses, um, that there are some kind of heightened states that can come about from the practice. Uh, possibly some extra sensory um, benefit. Do you, Have you experienced anything like that? Or do you know of others that maybe have gained some kind of extra talent out of their practice?
0: Boy, that's a really, really big statement. And that's a hard one. If anybody did, then it's not real. I'll put it to you that Mm, way. Okay. Um, Because what you're speaking of is this one consciousness with the universe. In the yoga language, it's called samadhi. And this concept of samadhi or ecstasy or the complete unity of the universal energy, you don't even really talk about it. That's something so personal. And it's it's not anything that you can train for. Right this is another thing like meditation. So if you look at the eightfold path of yoga, there's something called the Ashtanga eightfold path of yoga, not just Ashtanga, the physical, there's a physical yoga practice called Ashtanga yoga that goes back um, a few hundred years and it's very athletic and mm. it has these specific systems. Power yoga was born of it. Vinyasa yoga was born of it. Right. But the theory of Ashtanga yoga, the eightfold path, This deals with, um, observances and restraints, like the 10 commandments of yoga. How do you take care of yourself, your family, your friends, your, your internal and external worlds. Then you talk about yoga poses, breathing, then there's this concentration. And then the last bits of this list, this eightfold path. The last four is this concept of concentration, meditation. Well, it's, it's the, um, it's preparing for it. So you have your breathing, concentration, meditation, and then the, the ecstasy, the uh, samadhi concept. Mm-hmm. The concentration is a way to lead into meditation. Meditation is a way to lead into that samadhi state.
1: Right. Kind of a path.
0: Just like I was meant, yeah, that that incredible, it's beyond oneness. Like when it comes to meditation, we're talking about coming to this one Pointedness. You know, you're just it's the idea if you use the image of um, a dripping water from a faucet mm. and you follow the drip, drip, like you imagine the faucet dripping water and you could see the water coming out and falling to the sink and then turn that into one stream. And there's just no stopping. It's just this ongoing oneness, mm. one stream of consciousness Samadhi would be there's nothing the water doesn't even exist it's so big it's so beyond our human capabilities for anyone to say well I've done meditation enough that I can float or that I can something like
1: that right you know
0: they remember the uh I don't know if you remember it but the incredible I forget the name of it but that one show that's incredible Mm -hmm. I think that was the name of it they had the yogi get into the side the box and Mm -hmm. he would stay inside this box and you'd see the box condensating and he was able to stay inside this box breathing through all of his pores for an hour. That's a practicing thing. It's just kind of like a, a sideshow thing.
1: Right. Right.
0: Any kind of big deal that anybody could do or some special power, it it's subtle. It's so subtle. It's so personal. It's so deep. It's so um it's something that no one else in the world would ever really even know to look for. Right. It's something that you have. It's this amazing connecting moment that cannot be spoken of that can't be expressed that can't not because you're not allowed to it's just it can't be it's beyond words yeah it's unexpressible
1: it's kind of being uh from my understanding of it in the in the guru sense and uh, i mean that is as direct to the source as possible uh and just that statement the guru being somebody that was of a lineage of a practice that you know hard to again what are we talking about exactly but uh that touched the the simplest
0: terms their teacher the guru yeah
1: yeah so it'd be that lineage of teaching this one practice and the idea that i understand as far as what that is is that somewhere along that chain of teachers one of them had achieved samadhi or some sense got close to it close enough that they now vibrated at a closer to infinite type of uh, energy I'm trying to use the most general words as possible um, so they embodied it in a sense because they were touched by infinity let's mm. just say it like that and so anybody they taught these disciples would also by being in the vicinity of the guru also may depending on if the guru blessed them or whatever or touch them uh, Im, Im, embody something similar to that uh, mm-hmm. through the practice. But the practice to maintain that, I think, is pretty rigorous from what I understand. To maintain that it kind can't of be. Samadhi. It
0: can't be maintained. It's impossible to do. You can't live a normal life. They have two different types of yogis from over the years. Yeah. The renunciated yogi, they're the ones that went into the caves looking to live that somatic. Right state all the time. And then the householder yogi, which is us, you know, us people who live lives and pay bills and have families and so forth. And uh, have you ever heard of Eckhart Tolle? He wrote a book, um, you know, quite a few different books and power of now. And um, that's a lot of what he spoke of that he was having that kind of amazing oneness moment where he sat on the bench for four months doing nothing, Mm -hmm. just, loving the fact that he's alive yeah. now he had a luxury because he had some money that he could go sit on that bench for four <laughs> months and not worry about pay those bills. Right, right. This is, we have to think about the balance of real life stuff when it comes yeah. to the reality. And I I'm a very much of a school of thought of logic and what makes most sense in daily living. And Samadhi is way personal. It right. is such a personal experience. It's not anything that can be um, as, as we were talking about that can be expressed really, But it's also something that you can't just constantly be in samadhi. But what it does, if you have those moments, if they happen upon you, which is what is the way it really is done, you're just all of a sudden you're in this completely consumed moment and it can come in many, many different forms. It's peak experiences experiences can be part of that. And when you're in this peak experience and you're having this this incredibly... um, um sensory peak experience in that space you can't live like that all the time you still have to then go about go about your business but what it does is it changes your view each time every time you go there there's this different view you have now a different understanding you've seen between the curtain just a little bit more possibly This could be the ongoing samadhi concept in daily life. Maybe not in that, in that wonderful ecstasy moment, but in functionality and making it a part of your everyday life above all else. Now, this is the part that people have a hard time with. You cannot get there though. Just like we talked about, you have to live a good life to have a good meditation practice.
1: Right.
0: And you have to have a really good meditation practice to have a samadhi moment happen upon you. Right. So, this is a whole kind of domino effect of a lifestyle that we're not going to just walk around and just, you know, yeah, have our, have whatever we want to have uh, partake in whatever we want to partake and be like, yeah. yo, let's have a Samadhi moment, man. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. I wish it was that easy, but it's yeah. not. Wouldn't that be I something. mean, you can't smoke something <laughs> and be like, man, I'm in Samadhi. <laughs> right, right, So it's, uh, it's, you know, I can't drink something and think that.
1: So. Yeah. I believe it was, it was uh, the Beatles that went to the guru and I gave him, LSD and said uh, we found instant enlightenment, and he ate the uh, he ate the LSD, and then for the next you know however many hours explained to them that there was no instant enlightenment, there was no easy path, you know. <laughs> even even yeah. on the ecstasy, even even yeah. on
0: the the LSD, yes, right, exactly. right. There's just no,
1: there is um, no shortcut. There's just only the way, and that is full discipline. And it's and different. even that, like you said, the infinite isn't something that we're talking about. The infinite, and so then we're we're out of the range of what we can conceive. Mostly, what we can experience is all going to be uh, is all going to fall under the finite, and and it's going to fall under human potential. And it's not going to be anything yeah. outside of what we could couldn't normally do in any other regard. Uh, it's that idea of touching it, of uh, getting close to it, getting that sense of it becoming enlightened if you want to use that term which is really loaded um but like you said then you have to come you have to wake up you have to go to work you (laughs) You know you're not you're not maintaining you're gonna get stressed yeah
0: and you're gonna get stressed and you have to know that um that's where the somatic or the meditative discipline is working in your favor. Is when you're in the throes of that stress and it can get pretty stressful i mean life does what it does and things can get pretty dark for people but even in that darkness if there is one glimmer of okay i know that this is temporary Mm. i know that as everything in life it passes and i know this this is just where i am right now it's not on my identity it's not my belief system that i have tools to remind me i can trust myself and i can trust the, the energies that be that this experience is happening and I can learn from it and let's let it, let me learn from it and then move on and let that time pass. Everything ebbs and flows. Emotions come and go. All of them. The great ones do too. That's, that's the hard part for a lot of people as well. Happiness comes and goes. You can't be happy all the time. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) So, um, that's where a lot of people get caught up in the the key to life is to be happy. Well, I I no, it's not really. It if you're always searching for happiness, you're gonna be disappointed constantly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've I've uh I've expounded on the the key to life and the meaning of life and uh, it's super simple in my understanding. And again, I I fall in that rational sense. It has to make sense to me, otherwise I don't know that it's real. You know, it has to make some kind of uh, common sense, uh, you know, has to reason with myself in that way. And life—if you put any kind of uh, anything on it—then you're you're past what life is. You know, you're, to be the meaning is to be happy. Well, no, actually, that's saying that there is a purpose like that. That's part of life, and your happiness is not somebody else's. The meaning is just to live. It's really easy. It's just so simple.
0: <laughs> I mean, really, to experience exactly what it is that you have right now and and your capabilities yeah. and enjoy them if possible. Enjoy right. them. God forbid. God forbid. Yeah. We should actually enjoy what it we have available to us. Uh, yeah.
1: Energy is Good. sequence. It's a sequence and and hmm. if you have happiness, you're going to you only know happiness because you know the other part. You only know fear you know, because, you know, safety, you know, you only know one because you know the other and it's only happening in a sequence. And I think that for me, I I see cycles in certain parts of my life fairly easily. And I know that there's cycles in other parts um, Mm -hmm. that I don't recognize that I just have to like kind of live and experience until it's pounded into my head, get it into your head. You know, it's going to happen again. (laughs) Uh, But I have the ability to break that chain. What you're
0: mentioning is, um, sorry, my, my, Eventually I'm going to learn from my own yoga and just take this out of my ear instead of messing with it. But (laughs) I'll see if I can leave it there for now. Um, What you're mentioning a lot of is acknowledgement. And that's what most people get afraid to do is to acknowledge even that darker side of us. And we have ugly thoughts and I curse and I say things that may offend people. And I try not to, I'm in a world that's I'm made to be very, very cautious and careful and respect others and so forth. But it's, I can't please everyone and, right. but acknowledging all of that can also allow you to calm the ego down and say, okay, that is a part of me. That is a part of who I am. Um, let's see how that works. Mm-hmm. Again, what have I learned from that now? That's the big one that a lot of people have a hard time with. It's it's okay if you got a little bit ugly, a little bit crazy. Did you learn from it though? Right. And are you going to continue to learn from it?
1: Yeah. yeah. Self-reflection. That's one of the benefits. The the uh, you mentioned something that um, reminded me of a, a a story that I had uh, I'd heard. A, 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 I think it was a tale in a novel. So somebody was saying it in a novel that I was reading, but it was a really good uh, something that stuck with me. It's kind of like a, a mental mantra. Whenever you get into a, a sticky situation or you're becoming overwhelmed by the experience okay. of life, uh, the story was about a monk or a practicing yogi of some sort a meditator and he was maybe he was a buddhist i'm not really sure and he was going and he found and it, he found this mantra that that worked to get him all the way to the gates of of uh what is the highest in in buddhism um the gates the the, the bridge basically where maya the god of illusion lived and the mantra was, all is in transition. All is in transition. So anything would come to this person, they could just say, all is in transition. And that's helped them to achieve uh, near nirvana, right? Mm-hmm. But they would get to the, the bridge, or they'd get to that, that part where the Lord of Illusion was. And Lord of Illusion would turn him into, you know, like reincarnate him into a different person. And... And he'd be this different person, and he'd live this life. And then he, he heard he heard uh, Buddhists go by saying, "All is a, all is tra- in transition. All is in transition." And he remembered, "Oh yes, all is in transition." And then again, got close to nirvana, and then got thrown back down into, and reincarnated into a different different vessel of some sort. More challenges, and then heard, heard that mantra, "All is in transition." Um, and I think that's just in life again, like being like water, being pliable being flexible, that so many things come up and it's all about us recognizing whatever tools we can gain from different systems, whether it be meditation, practice, yoga, uh, that um, knowing that that reflection is really important so that we don't do it over and over again, but that whatever it is, it'll change. It's almost a, hmm. a, a, a definitive guarantee, which is really hard to do, is that it will change. Uh, from some form or another and the key would be to guide that change to the highest and best for yourself right to trust it yeah
0: to trust that it's there and to trust that even if you can't see it it's faith really i mean that's when we start to tap back into our higher power is in that faith factor um do you know that parable of the of the wise man in the village when his 14 year old son, grandson gets a horse. Um, it's the we'll see parable. So mm, the the wise man in the village, the, the, his grandson receives a horse for his birthday. Oh my gosh. This is so amazing. All the villagers come by and they go to the wise man. Like, this is fantastic. What a wonderful blessing. What a great thing that your grandson has this horse and the wise man says, we'll see. <laughs> and then of course the, right. the, the, Grandson is on the horse and he falls off the horse and breaks his leg. And of course, all the villagers come around. Oh my goodness, we're so sorry. This is such a shame. Whoa, we're so sorry. What happened to your grandson? This is so terrible. We'll see.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: the other villagers there on the other village, the war breaks out, mm-hmm. and there's all these other guys coming in to take the, to take the young men from the village to go fight in war. But his grandson couldn't go because his leg was broken. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, all the villagers, my God, this is amazing. He didn't have to go because he broke.
1: We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. Exactly. And that that goes into another uh, practice that I have, which is when I get stressed out on something, uh, typically an agenda, I need to be somewhere, traffic, something uh, is delaying my uh, desire for the accomplishment of whatever I have thought that that's where I need to be. When I have to succumb to the fact that I'm not going to get what I want, that's kind of where my mind falls back is that I, I could be, I could have just been saved from a car accident. I have no idea what purpose. I can only trust that I'm where I need to be in the moment. And, um, and it's probably to the benefit. And even if I'm in a car accident, maybe the benefit then is that I didn't die or get maimed in some way or whatever. There's always a variable to it that you don't know what the other options were. And uh, we should be thankful and grateful for the opportunity as as we got it. <laughs> Maybe we didn't when listen when we should have, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. When you can quell that ego, the ego language, which is the narrowed scope language, the I, me, you, right. they, them language, hmm. Um. Yeah. Changes can be made. Things can be realized for sure. But that's a tough one.
1: Yeah. It's real tough. Ego wants
0: to be validated constantly. Right. You know, somebody imagine having a conversation or, oh my God, imagine having an argument with someone and take the words you, I, and me out of the equation Mm. and see how your language changes. Yeah.
1: It's hard to have an argument.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now there you go. It's neutralized. Done. Wipes it out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah it does yeah and another thing is like that mirror I, I see it a lot in politics one side is always mirroring the other and blaming them for the same thing that they're doing it's like this mirror thing that happens that's uh, often i see it in in arguments in uh, debate there's this mirroring that's like both saying the exact same thing <laughs> you know?
0: and it's a complete projection you yeah know, what a projection um, right a, a lot of times what people most likely will call other people out on, I look at I, I've turned projection into confession,
1: uh, uh. just like
0: I've turned procrastination into processing. I no uh. longer I'm no longer a procrastinator because I'm not. I And I some people will call me that If you see the way that I do my work and study and prepare for a weekend. It may look like a procrastination but I don't, what I do is I process the information. I have it. I say to myself, it's that dyslexic brain of mine that I have now found this new way. I have to do it this way. Mm -hmm. And then on that 11th hour, I put the program together. I get it. It makes a lot of sense, but it's now a part of me. Yeah. So, but when it comes to that projection concept, usually now I've turned it into confession. When I hear someone, oh, that person is blah, 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 blah. Or I bet you they're da, 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 or whatever they're gossiping about in that moment. Right. Most likely, you know, the old saying about pointing a finger when you point a finger at someone, there's three pointing back at you. Mm. So you, they're confessing to something
1: if yeah. they're projecting onto something. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, in your practice, uh, your teaching practice, you do sessions with people. Uh, as far as the training goes, you do it all through Zoom.
0: Uh as of right now, when it comes to the education, because I work as the lead teacher at Yoga Life Institute online and it's all online. online. They were brick and mortar for many, many, many years. And Bob, uh my I call him my yoga dude, because he was <laughs> my my original teacher. Yeah. And now my and now I uh now I work with him and teach with him that he was like the first yoga dude in the area. And like I said, he was doing that magazine and yeah. so forth. So yeah, he's been brick and mortar forever, but then COVID came. And since yoga life was a very, 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 very strong and potent program and school that they made it fine. They were able to transition online oh. and they are very, very much online.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's
0: great. So all the are online, but I teach at my gym in person and I, um, I teach online and in, in one-on-one with people, myself in my own space, or I'll go to your home. Mm. Um, and that's usually how I'll work that
1: mobile. Yeah. So if, yeah, if somebody exactly. listening wants to, uh, start to practice and get the hours, I guess, is that how it would work?
0: Absolutely. Feel free to email me or contact me Um, um 484-432-3269 is my number. You can text me, my email address, um, erica.tenenbaum at AOL.com. Please don't judge me for having an AOL address. <laughs> it just shows you yeah. how loyal I am that I've had it <laughs> since I was dial up. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, But it's just stuck with me. It's just what I'm used to. So yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And I work with people um, from, uh, I worked with someone from Ireland. I've mm. worked with someone from Seattle. So the brilliance of online is what's, we can unite people from all around. Yeah. Great.
1: yeah, that's, it's definitely, yeah. it's, it's the good and the bad that came out of COVID situation was that the more people were uh, pushed into developing their ability to get online with a camera. And, and then of course it and also gone. means that more people were pushed online and out of the world, <laughs> you know, it goes both ways, but for teaching it it's fantastic because you can just reach everybody.
0: And it's great for teaching. It's great for one-on-one stuff like this, uh, working yoga therapy people with one-on-one. I mean, the fact that I've had these many, many years of experience and just going, cause I remember for years, I was teaching weekly classes at the studio and going there and teaching multiple weekly classes. Even when I thought, even when I've heard my cohorts over the years go, well, I've educated my way out of teaching weekly classes. And I, and there was some of that snobbery involved where like I'm smarter than just teaching a weekly, you know, Saturday morning class or something like that. And um, I just kept doing it and just kept teaching it. And I didn't stop and what it ended up helping me do, which is what a lot of yoga teachers have a hard time with. I mean, granted, I have a lot of experiences. Time doing it is all about that. And that plugging away, doing it over and over again, that dyslexic mind of mine, that repetition, it just drove this stuff into my nervous system in a way where I just sit and I can watch. And I can watch you online and I don't have to go to the other side of my room and do the poses so that you can do what I want you to do. I could say it to you with such detail because I've been doing it for so long and I didn't didn't educate my way out of teaching those yoga classes. I just kept using the language, watching bodies in motion and being able to sit and just cue Mm -hmm. and not do. And so that has been able to transfer online for me brilliantly right I, I real I realized a lot of my friends actually had a hard time with that because they were still stuck in the queuing and doing world where mm-hmm. they have to do the poses while queuing it and then here you are on the computer screen but then the computer screen's here and I'm trying to do my yoga practice over here and I can't see you like I can't say hey Sandy you know right foot change that position whatever <laughs> and I can I can see all of that just by sitting here and right Teaching, You kept in
1: touch with the basics and you also learned lots and lots of people's uh, approaches and you learned it over and over again. So you really mastered the, that first step, that first step that a lot of people take, which is to enter a studio, unsure exactly what they're supposed to do or where they're supposed to, what the words mean, where they're supposed to put their feet and, and from zero to, you know, to a hundred percent don't look at it like that um no you don't <laughs> never do it's zero but... to about 60 percent yes <laughs> yeah. exactly you could, it's well yeah. that you knew that <laughs> yeah yeah no, i know well you know always go high <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well we want the hundred but that's our nice lofty goal yes. that we never may never achieve but that that zero of no, of knowledge base as to what they're doing and um and finding the the groove that you maintain that um that connection so you really developed the skill set to work with people uh, make you confidence a in teacher. the
0: language
1: and the language Honestly, is very important it, it, yeah. it's huge it's yeah.
0: everything that we have as yoga teachers is our language so it's the confidence in the pacing of my language because in the beginning oh my god when i first started teaching yoga oh I was speaking so fast. I was fast. trying to get it all out. Everything I knew all at once, <laughs> I had to slow it down. And that's what experience and mm-hmm. watching and doing and As you mentioned, having all different perspectives coming that I've, I've just been sticking with the basics. Yeah. I'm all about that, that yeah. it, the foundations.
1: foundations, if you right. aren't
0: strong in your foundations, it's not going to work. Right. So you're going to get lost.
1: And it, it makes you more, uh, a stronger teacher, you know, more of a valuable asset to the student. Compassionate, yeah. too,
0: compassionate. Because I realize from all these years, and this is where it goes back to where I can't do prescriptive yoga. It can't be prescribed when it comes to one-on-one stuff. I can't say, okay, so you know, you're a back problem. You can have a back problem in the same place I have a back problem. We can say we have sciatica issues, let's say down our right
1: mm-hmm.
0: leg. I'm going to approach your sciatica issue much different than I will approach mine. I'm not going to do you shouldn't be doing the exact same poses I would be doing the way that I would be doing them because right. other parts of your system is taking to that information differently. It's not just focusing in on that like a lot of time physical therapy will focus in on the injured body part yeah. and right. just therapize the injured body part whereas the yoga therapist what they do is they look at the entire system as a whole and let's see the let's bring it together in harmony how can we get movement in harmony where, where where does harmony exist before it turns into pain? Are we aware of that pain? Is it serving us this way that we're doing it? That's the big question. Mm. Is it working for you? Does yeah. it serve your purpose?
1: The yoga therapy, um, I did massage therapy for a number of years, uh, you know, heavily on the sports therapy. And is the yoga therapy kind of like a stretch approach, kind of what the PT does as far as the stretching goes? but with a more uh, yoga perspective, is it kind of zoning in to still harmonize the whole body with for a specific, uh, an outcome? Like a, in the most
0: general te- statement. Yes. Yeah. You are looking for the entire system to be in harmony. Now, is it done with just stretching? Not necessarily. Right. Uh, a lot of times, Yoga actually can overstretch people, the, the concept of yoga, yoga poses, Yeah. The, the newer teachers or the newer people to yoga will go into it as, okay, so if we're going to do a hip practice today, I'm going to throw every single hip opener at you. <laughs> And we're going to stretch the hell out of your hips. Right, right. That's not really very balanced though. Right. So as far as I'm concerned, the way I would approach that would be, let's just get to know our hips. We're going to strengthen them. We're going to stabilize them and we're going to make them flexible. So it's that whole, it's that whole wheel approach Mm -hmm. again. Just one way of doing it. The whole wheel of fitness is involved.
1: Yeah. So is there an active isolated type of stretching where you're isolating the muscle? Sure.
0: Sure.
1: Yeah. Whatever, really, whatever it it takes to, uh, Getting the flexibility. Yeah, you have
0: isometric, you have those isometric contractions, eccentric, concentric, we go into all the different ways. Yo, most yoga poses are are that isotonic or isometric yeah. contraction where you hold and mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. But we could turn it into a strength training thing too, which I'm a big fan of. And I'm I'm the I'm the big strength training yogi person. And I'm the one that teaches that one. And how do you bring strength training into your yoga practice? Yeah,
1: which I think would be very important. Yeah,
0: vital. Yeah, absolutely vital.
1: For me, I've uh, I've had quite a bit of uh, slip discs issue in my Mm -hmm. back. And I went to PT and I I got what I needed to get out of it. You know, got the movements uh, that I needed to do. And, And a lot of it, it was strengthening the muscles that support the bones in the area that you have the issue. Pretty simple. Exactly. You know?
0: Yep. It is really.
1: Yeah.
0: It's is a matter of doing it and being consistent about it. That's the part that's not simple. Right. Well, that's exactly right. <laughs>
1: make a practice of strengthening. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> the discipline. That's why I say I still have a bad back because <laughs> I've got to make that more consistent. Yeah. Uh, do you, um, as far as, for your students, do you continue to teach them over the course of time, or do you kind of, you know, you have, maintain like a uh, uh, a practice with students that become teachers?
0: As much as I possibly can, I'm I'm always open. I'm very proud to say that I've connected with hundreds and hundreds of students over the years. So yeah. it's hard to stay yeah. in touch with all of them. But thank God for Facebook and yeah. Instagram, where I end up becoming very, very good friends with a lot of them. I remember one of my high school friends sent me an email and she says, "How the hell did you get all these friends?" I'm like, "They're my students." There's, <laughs> there's, there's She's like, "Cause she you knows she has what I don't know, maybe a hundred, and right. I'll have I'm a seven hundred or something." And, um, and there's so many of them are just students from over the years too. That yeah. I mean, I was a teacher long before Facebook too, but. Right. Oh, in, in time now, this has been a wonderful way to, to actually stay connected and to stay connected on a business level, too, on Instagram. So that because I've had quite a few of them in time uh, message me, you know, like mm. I've been thinking about you. I have a question or I have a client I'd like to refer to you. So that's been lovely. The social media that way has been great to keep that yeah. going.
1: The network. Keep and... that
0: connection going. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it, nice. Yeah. The network, the community
1: where do you see your practice going in the next few years? That is a great question.
0: Um, for years, uh, as I was becoming a yoga teacher, I was also an esthetician for mm. twenty five to thirty years. Wow. So, and I worked for a salon, and I worked for a cosmetic surgeon, and I, you know, do eyebrows and waxing and tinting and all kinds of skin. It's also part of my wheelhouse. Mm. I learned so much about our immune system through learning about the skin, and I've parlayed that into yoga training and so forth. So the COVID also pushed me to create a concierge business Hmm. where I go to your home and do my aesthetics practices too. I also do a massage therapy called manual lymphatic drainage based on the movement and the stretching of the skin. So yoga, lymphatic systems, immune systems, stretching, it all united and came together. So what I'd like to see, considering that I have these really interesting skills and offerings Um, for the one-on-one world is to just keep increasing that and getting that voice out there letting people know that that exists. Mm -hmm. And um, my facials are farm fresh facials. I do everything that nothing touches your skin that you can't ingest.
1: Mm, So
0: I'm a big believer in, because your skin is a living organ. That's why it's so important for us to do our earthing and to go talk to the trees and to get out into the nature. So our skin is alive and it absorbs everything that is connected to it so whenever i do give these facials or if i use when i'm doing the massage everything that's done is done under natural um components yeah my everything that my skincare process at home even my own personal is all food based not like oils and vinegars and honey and oatmeal and so on so yeah, yeah i do that as well and that's what i'd like to see continue to grow awesome uh, online online yoga therapy training, online yoga therapies uh, business, as well as um, the uh, concierge business.
1: Yeah, kind of as a package deal.
0: Yeah, I could take care of you from the inside out or the outside in.
1: Right, right, there you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Skin care and then internal care and that sort of thing.
1: Great, yeah. And uh, could you say again your email address?
0: Of course. It's Erica E-R-I-K-A dot, tenenbaum t-e-n-e-n b-a-u-m at aol.com and my telephone number is 484-432-3269 and feel free to text email anytime
1: awesome and then if they wanted to get yeah. in touch with you on uh, social media do you have uh, an outlet for that or is that
0: uh... yeah facebook i'm on facebook okay. um as erica tenenbaum i'm also on Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm older, so I'm more on Facebook than I'm yeah. on Instagram, <laughs> but I know that's the other thing that I need to go to do a little bit more is Instagram. Um, I forget what my name is on Instagram, oh. but they're United now. So if you find me right. on Facebook, you should be able to find me on Instagram too. If yeah, I'm on Instagram. I think so. Maybe works, it's linked, so. linked in your They are linked. I know because anytime or... I put something up on Facebook, all of a sudden I, I see the likes coming in from Instagram.
1: Oh, interesting. Too. Okay.
0: So, and then if I put something up on Instagram, I'll see the likes coming in on Facebook. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's linked. Yeah. So <laughs> they do it. Awesome. I could
0: probably do a little bit more on Instagram than I am. I'm still learning about that kind of marketing, me being in my fifties now. Yeah, I um, the whole thing. You know, it's, it's, it's still, I'm still working on it. I feel like a child that way.
1: So Well, and that's, that's a good, always learning. That's the key. That's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> well, Erica, it was great having you on the show today. Thank and you so much. Great. It's been wonderful. Uh, hearing what you do and uh, hearing your perspective and uh, great chat about meditation and uh, and yoga. And um, yeah, it was fantastic.
0: Yeah. Good. Happy to be here. This was great. Thank you for inviting me so much, Nick.
1: Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.